So you get to stay up here. Yeah. So thanks. Thanks for being willing uh, to be a part of the series. It's been a great series. We've given some of our student ministry leaders from junior high, high school, college, an opportunity to share some of their teachings with us um, so that we could get to know them. For some of you as parents could also hear some of the things that your students are being challenged by from from week to week. Uh, Nikki has been a part of our uh, high school ministry team for a while now and uh, has been doing a great job uh, bringing her maturity, her love, <laughs> I know, don't laugh, I really mean it, <laughs> in her gifts to these students, uh, which we've really appreciated. She wears a few other hats, she's also a mental health counselor and therapist and licensed mental health therapist, and she also does some teaching at U and I, helping students uh, to learn about doing the same. Uh, she also helps with the uh, high school boys track team here in Cedar Falls, and I think we agreed last service that you still hold one, one record, one record still in the books at the U and I, for U and I women's track. We should have him get off the stage now, probably, right? <laughs> but I, I appreciate Nikki so much because she's a good friend of our family, good friend of, of so many people here in our church, a uh, wonderful mother and wife, and... Uh, I just, again, appreciate you being here this morning. Thank you, Doug. That was nice. Well, um, thanks for being here. This is a busy weekend. There's a lot going on, so I appreciate that you took time to be here, and I'm glad I get to be here with you. So I do work with the high school youth group, and I absolutely love it. I've been doing it for far too long, and occasionally I think, geez, I'm too old for this. I probably should, like, get out of this. I'm irrelevant. And then Doug or Jeff or Dave tells me, nope, nope, you, you still should do it. So I feel good about myself. Until a couple years ago, when Lewis Mickey, who's Jeff's son, in, at Good Friday in front of like 700 people, was talking about two old ladies who influenced his life. <laughs> and it turns out I was one of them. So, uh, I really do appreciate the opportunity to hang out with students here, though. That's a big deal to me. I really enjoy it. I learn tons from them. It's good for my family. Uh, just recently, one of my kids, when they got in trouble, was crying for a high school student <laughs> to come to our house because apparently we're so mean. But I uh, brought a picture of my family, and if you know my family, it's a good picture, right? Uh, you're gonna say, wow, her kids look a little taller now because they're older, because this is like a, about a year old. And the reason I chose this picture is because in the last year I could not find another picture where I looked okay, because everyone says that they're the worst picture taker, but I actually am. I must, like, blink with my left eye first because always my left eye is shut in pictures and this has happened so frequently that my husband tells me that I should point a finger and at least look like I'm winking at the camera. <laughs> so that's my family. Uh, I'm also a therapist and I really don't take lightly the role of getting to walk with people on a hard day or when relationships are hard or they're going through something in life that's hard. In school, we learn uh, little tricks for helping people maneuver days or times that are difficult, and these are called coping skills. And they're really effective in helping people get from day to day. But the truth is that there really is only one way to fix our pain, only one thing that can actually change us and heal us, and that's Jesus. And I think that your personal relationship with Jesus is the most important thing in your life, and that's what I want to talk to you about today. So your relationship with Jesus is what we're gonna focus on. And just like any other relationship that you have with anyone, if you're not spending time with someone, if you don't communicate with them regu regularly, then it's not much of a relationship. 
If you aren't communicating with them, asking them what they're up to, you're not gonna know much about them. And it's really the same with our relationship with God. And if you're anything like me, you can go for a long amount of time without actually spending real time with God. So there's lots of different ways that you can communicate with God, and I'm just gonna talk to you about one way in particular, and I'm gonna talk about this one because it's something that I've been doing for the last few months, and it's changed my life. But to do this, I want to tell you a story, and if I'm gonna tell you a story, you have to know the characters of the story. So, this is Olive, she's my baby, she's two. She's super cute, right? But do not be deceived, she is a threat to anyone around her, and mostly herself. She goes so fast in her house, numerous times a day someone says, oh my gosh, where's the baby? And then we all run around and it takes far too long to find her. Um, and then usually it's followed by, oh my gosh, that's not safe, don't do that. We tell her this so much that she'll go, no, no, no. She like shakes her finger at you. Um, she actually now sleeps, I'm not kidding about this, she sleeps in a tent in her crib for children who escape their cribs. And so she also figured out with this tent that she could run her finger along the zipper line until she would find the like lump where the zipper was and she'd hit it until there was a hole and then she, so now we like twisty tie that shut. <laughs> so yeah, really safe. Um, so if you don't believe me, I also brought a video that shows how dangerous she is. What happened? So Olive's a little more one. So if you didn't catch on, what happened is Olive had gotten in the hammock with Violet and flipped them both out. This is like a regular day for us. So multiple times a week, Olive is slapping her face against the ground or um, the corner of some bit of furniture. She's a danger to herself. Now when she gets hurt, she just runs to me. Think about that if you've had little kids or been around little kids. When they get hurt, they just get to their mom. Now if I'm not around, she'll settle for her dad, but we all know I'm the best choice. And she doesn't understand how I make it better. Uh, she doesn't tell me how to fix it. She doesn't even know why, why I make it better. She just knows that I do. This is the same for me and you. We can get to our Heavenly Father and he fixes it. If we just get to him and pause and just be there. Now, I said this earlier, but I really mean this. I think this kind of simple practice can change your life more than anything and isn't something that I came up with. But recently I was talking to someone that I respect and trust about some things that I was struggling with in life. And I went to this person because he's wise and I thought he would tell me what to do to fix it. So I don't know exactly what I expected him to say, but I definitely didn't expect him to say what he said next. And he said, Nikki, if you believe what you say you believe about God, then the Holy Spirit is your comforter and your counselor and teaches you all things and can teach you about yourself. He said, you need to make space for the Holy Spirit. And I was a little confused and slightly offended because if you're gonna start a statement with if you believe what you say you believe, right? And I thought, you know, I, I pray sometimes and I read my Bible like when I need to. But the cool thing is, is this guy wasn't going to just give me his opinion or a Band-Aid to fix my problem. He was gonna point me to the actual answer. I wanna read from John 14, and this is starting in verse 15. This is what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. 
And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither knows him, excuse me, it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. So it says it right there, that the Spirit is going to teach you and remind you and be your advocate. So I decided to take him up on the challenge and I was gonna do it. I was gonna get to God and just pause and see what the Holy Spirit said. So if you know me at all, this is not gonna surprise you, the next part, I, I decided one day when I was frustrated with a few people that I live with, <laughs> I decided, not gonna name names though, that I was gonna make some space to do this. So I got in a room by myself and this is what I came up with. Okay, this is me doing it. That was it, (laughs) that was my prayer. And nothing, I didn't hear anything. And the next few times that I did it, I didn't hear anything either. But I kept doing it. And I just simply say, okay, Holy Spirit, teach me, show me. And then things started to happen. It might be something like I would remember something that someone had said, or it might be a verse. It was nothing earth-shattering. Sometimes a person, uh, I would think about a person and think that I should pray for them or you know, get a hold of them and see how they were. One morning, I was in my kitchen drinking coffee alone and I got a text from someone that I don't like communicate with regularly, you know, we're kind of acquaintances, and it said, hey, I came across this verse and I've been praying it over you and your family. And it was an odd verse. But the cool thing is, is it was something that I was trying to work out in my head that was an answer to that, and that person didn't know that. And I thought, geez, that's incredible. So later that day, I shared that with a friend and said, isn't this cool that this happened? And that friend started crying. was like, I, that's exactly something that I needed to hear. So it was things like that that kept coming up. One morning, it was as simple as this. I woke up, and the first thing I thought was, God, thank you for the sunshine that's coming into my room. And just in case you missed it in the introduction, I have four little kids, so that is not how I wake up normally. It's usually like, Mom, can we get up? They always scream, the light is green, because we have a stoplight that tells them when they can wake up. (laughs) So that's how I usually wake up, not thankful. So I knew that God was communicating to me. I was hearing him. Now, he'd always been whispering, but I was actually making space to hear now. So we're gonna get back to Olive now. She doesn't know how I make her better, she just trusts. I don't know how God comforts me and teaches me, he just does. There are some things that we can understand about God and some things that we're just not going to. But just like a little kid, we can get to him and pause and he'll fix us. He'll fix it, he fixes everything. And we don't know how. I want you to get a picture in your head. How silly would it be if Olive, it's funny, as I'm up on stage here, I thought of this. This happened yesterday. We were at a grad party, and you got your food in the kitchen, and you walked out in the garage. And you walked out, and you had to turn this way to go down the stairs, and there was no railing here. And Olive, like, literally was, like, just going to topple over the end. So this is fresh in my mind. But think if she would have done that. And then think of how silly it would be if she came to me and said, okay, Mom, this is how I need you to fix me. And she told me, you need to pick me up and rock and pat me on the back and say, shh, shh, shh. Like, that's ridiculous, right? A two-year-old doesn't know what she needs for me to fix her. 
But I think the idea of Olive telling me that she needs certain things to be fixed, I think that's as absurd as us telling God what we need to be fixed. But we do that, don't we? We tell him who he needs to change and how he needs to change our circumstances so that we're better. And I think that we can have a relationship with God that's different than what I'd ever had before because I kind of like compare my relationship to God prior to this as a drive-through window. And I don't know if any of you, like me, when you're having a bad day, just magically end up in the McDonald's drive-through line. I don't know what that's all about. But you tell the person what you need, and you get it, and you say thank you, and you go away until you need something again. And that's how I kind of was with God. You know, I need this, I need this, thank you, and then I'm on my way until I need something again. Because I don't know the drive-through window person. I don't ask them how they are or what they're doing in life. You just get what you need and go. I think the simple thing of getting to God and just making space can make us aware of God's presence in the world and in our life, and it can make you aware of the relationship that he wants to have with you. And this space was different than anything that I'd done before because it wasn't just me complaining to God about what went wrong and telling him how to change my life so that it would be more tolerable to me, but it's also been about listening to what, um, like, figuring out what has gone right in the day and where I've seen him moving. It's helped me to recognize that oftentimes I think I know better than God and to confess that. It's helped me to realize tons of stuff about myself and it's had a huge impact on my relationships with other people. Before this, I would say that my relationship with God was like a few times a year, it'd be like, oh, this cool thing happened and I saw him. But now, kind of throughout the day, it's like, oh, there he is and there he is. Consistently creating space for the Spirit of God will open your eyes to God's presence, which for me personally is a lot better than my perspective. I don't know exactly what it will do for you, but it's helped me so much. I think that God tries, us, tries to teach us and show us stuff all the time, but he's not gonna compete with the busyness or the loudness of our lives, because he doesn't have to. I wanna share about one other powerful way that God showed up when I was creating space for him. So the same person who challenged me to kind of make space for the Holy Spirit said, Nikki, I want you to try to give God like half a day and just listen and see what he says. So after some time of convincing my poor family after working all week long that I should get another half a day, uh, I got a day and I went and just spent time being still and trying to hear God. And I'm kind of a spaz, so this was like miserably hard for me. And so I sat down and I pulled up this app on my phone and it like reads through scripture, kind of does like this prayer imagery thing. And so I picked one and I picked one that was, it said Jesus heals. I thought, well, that sounds great. Click. And then the actual title came up. It said Jesus heals the bleeding woman and the dead girl. But I had four hours, so I was like, well, we'll start here. (laughs) So I hit play, and it like kind of prayed through that scripture passage, which is kind of an obscure one. Um, And it actually meant a lot to me. And so I got done, and I thought, okay, now what? That's 20 minutes on a four hours, I got a while. So I pulled up the scripture of the day that you can get emailed to you from Orchard, because I read that every day, just like I'm sure you guys do. We never skip days. But I, so I read it that day, and it was the same passage that I had just gone through. 
It's like my brain couldn't even quite handle, like how is that even possible? And then I just couldn't believe that God would, you know, in the first time I give him more than 10 minutes, like meet me right away and just tell me that he's there. So I read that scripture over and over a little bit and I wanna share it with you now. It's from Mark 5. When Jesus had again crossed over by the boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. One of the synagogue leaders named Jarius came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, and he pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and spent all that she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I can just touch his clothes, I will, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out of him he turned to the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, the disciples answered, and yet you ask, who touched me? That's like just like the disciples. It's like they never actually understood what was going on. But Jesus just kept looking around to find out who'd done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some of the people from the house of Jarius, the synagogue leader, they came and they said, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they had said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. So the rest of the story goes that Jesus and just a couple of his disciples, he made everyone stay back and they went with Jarius to his house and his little girl had died. And Jesus simply said to her little girl, get up and walk. And she did. And so I read and reread this story because it couldn't be a coincidence that God brought it to my attention two different times. So I was trying to figure out what can the people of this story have to do with me or you and us spending time with God? And the more I read, the more I realized I think they have a lot to teach us. Because see, I don't know what that woman's relationship with Jesus was like. And I don't know what that father knew about God. We do know that the woman, though, she, she had tried everything she knew to do and she'd spent all her money and seen tons of doctors. And I can only imagine that man had to be terrified. Could you imagine your little girl? He needed help. And then the woman, she didn't want to distract Jesus from the important work that he was doing. She didn't want to take him away from healing that little girl, but she wanted to be healed. And so she knew if she just got to him and positioned herself right, if she could just touch him, she knew she'd be healed. And just like my Olive, she doesn't understand how. She didn't know, but she knew he would do it, and he did. And then he called her out, and she was terrified. But he simply said to her, woman, you believed. You got to me and you're healed. And then the amazing part about this is this all happened in front of the dad of the sick girl. He saw it all. And then his friends come running up and they say, it's too late. 
And then the picture that I get of Jesus is that he just looked at that man right in his eyes and grabbed his face. He said, don't be afraid, just believe. And he said to him, you saw what I did for her, I healed her. Just trust me, don't focus on them, focus on me. You guys, these people didn't do anything huge. They got to God and paused and waited to see what he would do. That's nothing more than my two-year-old does. And God, in his amazing way, intertwined the stories of these two people so that they could find encouragement from each other. So just get to God and be still. So I'm gonna leave you with the challenge that my friend left me. Two minutes twice a day, I think we can all handle that. Two minutes in the morning, uh, just acknowledging God and thanking him and asking him to give you his perspective on the day. And then at night before you go to bed, simply asking God to see the day as he sees it, having him walk you through and think about who you encountered and what the day was like, what good things happened, what bad things happened. Take time to look at where you saw God at work in the world and to figure out times that you leaned into your faith and other times where you maybe didn't. It's gonna be a great time to thank God for any gifts that he gave you that day and just to confess anything that you need to. And maybe you're already doing this. There are tons of different ways to do this. A lot of this is based around the idea of the prayer of examine. I don't care what you do, but just make space. Because I don't know what God will whisper to you through his spirit, but I promise he will. And then when he does, tell someone because I think that's a huge part of our faith that we're supposed to encourage each other and we're supposed to share these things. What we're gonna do now is gonna create just a little space. So this might be a time that you could start doing this. Um, Hope and Tim are gonna come up here and sing a song. And even this song, it's pretty cool how God works. Hope was an intern for Big House. And I gave this talk at Big House and she had asked, you know, what are you talking about? And I hadn't written my talk yet. I'll be honest. So I gave her like a two sentence kind of summary and she's like, I think this song would be perfect and it's incredible. So we're gonna bow our heads and we're gonna pray and then we're just gonna create some space to kind of hear what God might have to say to us. Dear God, um, we have a lot of words and a lot of thoughts and a lot of busyness all day, every day. And God, we spend a lot of time thinking about what we're gonna do and what we're gonna say. But can you just give us the courage and uh, help us remember to just make some space to listen to you, God, and, and for you to change us. So God, we just invite you into this space right now and just hope that you uh, would speak to us. Amen. i
to read a couple lines from that song. It says, Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. So you can't have gone too far, but wherever you're at, you can just get to his arms. So if you're broken or scared, get to God. If you're celebrating, he wants that too. Wherever you're at, just get to him and make space. Will you pray with me? God, um, we attempt to use our silly words uh, to sing to you about how great you are. But we know that, that it makes you happy, God. And, and we know that you speak to us in the space that create we create, God. So just be with us now. Amen. 